Everything is real. I'm Natalie D. I'm Drew Toothpaste. And today we are going to talk about how the hidden Nazi base in Antarctica is real. Finally. I've been waiting for confirmation <laughs> for a long time. Where did all the Nazis go? They went to Antarctica. Did they? I thought they went to like Tennessee. They went wherever they want, basically. <laughs> they just dispersed. Ooh, that's a kind of a hidden fact to history. Really. I mean, they got some of them in the Nuremberg trials and stuff like that, and Mossad and Nazi hunters got a handful of them. But yeah. in the grand scheme of things, not many of them got caught. You know, I think we're taught that we toppled the Nazis, and, you know, the day after July 1945, the day after we finished that up, we basically handed them their new constitution, and we said, okay, you guys are going to be regular Germans now. You're just going to have a high G. GDP and a normal president, and they're like, okay. You're gonna be super efficient with an enviable healthcare system. No, it was like a mess. Obviously, it was a, it was a world war, and Europe got squashed. They got squashed. Yeah, so tell me about the Nazi base in Antarctica, Natalie. Okay, so over the years, there has been satellite imagery that shows anomalies in a portion of Antarctica called New Swabia, which was an area that was claimed by Germany before World War II. And this area is inside Dronningmodland, which is a Norwegian claim on Antarctica. Okay. And in 1930, the Germans were in this area looking for a base to do whale hunting to get whale oil and because they were having problems with supplies after the last war. Okay, so all of the claims of Antarctica, first of all, I feel like this really clearly lays out just how stupid colonialism is. Right. Uh, all of the claims in Antarctica are basically a pie wedge. People say, I get 120 to 140 degrees mm -hmm. on the pie wedge, and it's a pie wedge where the center is the South Pole. Right. And the Americans have you know, this chunk where, you know, McMurdo Station is, mm -hmm. that's basically the largest settlement run by Raytheon, the American military contractor. So it's not awesome. Right. It's not a fun place where you can just recreationally go and hang out. But Droning Maudland is the Norwegian claim to Antarctica. And that is a little bit, in directions in Antarctica get weird because, you know, if you go south in Antarctica, you go to the center. If you go north, you're going away from the center. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and east and west are like kind of hard, you know, they're clockwise and counterclockwise, but it's effectively east right. of where all the American shit is in Antarctica. And so Germany was Neuschwabenland, I guess, was yeah, right. somewhere in the middle of that. Right. I think it is very funny to think about how... Everyone is just hanging out there. I like thinking about Antarctica, and I like thinking about UFOs being down there. And I like thinking about how as soon as people started getting down there, all the countries wanted a little pie of it, a little piece of it, a little sliver, right? So who's to say that that's not where all of the business between the world governments and the UFOs is happening, where no one would see it? You know, if you were going to put something in a place where it's hard to tell what's going on. You know, most of the landmass, most of the populations in the world are in the Northern Hemisphere. Right. So most of us on the planet are closer to the North Pole. There's no landmass at the North Pole. Underneath all the ice in Antarctica, and we've talked about this before on Garbage Brain, we talked about the whole continent of Antarctica. If you're interested, go dig that up. It's in the archives. I think you may have to be a subscriber, a patron to see that. Well, rip if you're not. <laughs> 
but it's effectively solid ground. And, you know, with the plate tectonics, it used to be hooked to other shit. Like right. Antarctica used to be in a place where it was warm. Right. And so, number one, there's no telling what's down there. Number two, people have barely looked at it because it is so harsh. It is so hard to travel and so hard to get to. In the Antarctic winter, which is our summer, it is so difficult to get planes even down there the conditions are so bad it's really fucking hard to fly in mm -hmm. and you know whenever you see if you're to go and look up what life is like in antarctica and you see a plane come in it's always some little ass plane right like i don't know how they have enough food on that yeah well i mean i'm sure they, they probably have a bunch of like hydroponic stuff and shit like that going on down there wouldn't you think i would if i were there for sure right so why do people believe that the nazis are hiding out down in antarctica I mean, I'm already sold on the idea of it, but <laughs> in July and August of 1945, which was two months after Germany surrendered to Europe and the Allies, right? Uh-huh. Two U-boats arrived at a military base in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Now, Argentina formally declared war against the Axis at the end of World War II, but for the majority of the war, it was neutral, and it was suspected of having ties to the Axis due to its refusal to condemn their doings and refusal to join the Allies even after Pearl Harbor and this and that, right? Now, this has a modern parallel. If you refuse to condemn evil speech and evil acts and you say well it's a free country that's just free speech mm-hmm you know, you hate to bring up the word Nazi. You hate to compare shit to the Nazis. But they were basically the worst gang of people that have ever existed. Right. Something to me, like, with this story and these ideas that is appealing to me, like, almost in a superhero comic kind of way. Because the Nazis were, like, supervillains. Like, they're the worst of the worst. And they had, like the stereotypical Nazi look and they had like their uniforms and it's like you could immediately tell that they're Nazis looking at them and as soon as you see a Nazi your response is big oh I fucking hate Nazis right? Yeah it's exactly the sketch from that Mitchell and Webb look where Mark wearing the Totenkopf hat looks at Jeremy and he goes are we the baddies? <laughs> right but like as soon as you see a Nazi you're like fuck that guy right? Yes. And so you hear these stories you're like oh the Nazis are hiding out in Antarctica you're like they better not be! <laughs> I'll go down there and get it myself. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is just the same thing that triggers me off when somebody not from Ohio that's never been here starts shit talking it. It's like, I'm not patriotic, okay? I don't feel like America is exceptional. I don't feel like we have anything special going on here that the rest of the world doesn't have going on. I don't believe we're better people than other places in the world. But when some fucking Norwegian starts going off, like, oh, you are sick? When I am sick, I just go to doctor. Right, right. I'm like, come on, motherfucker. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And when, when you think about the shiny boots in the uniform in the guy and he's got that look in his eye like you know he's done evil shit he never told anybody right you start thinking about that shit boy i'll tell you what i heard the other day there was a nazi at half price books like there were some people posting there like yeah man i saw this man in a nazi uniform at half price and i was like boy if i was there <laughs> right I'd take you out clean his clock <laughs> I drag you right out of the clearance section. Right, right. I remember there was that story. I don't even remember the specifics of it, but it was a long time ago. But it was like the villain of the day on the internet. 
Like, there's always someone who is the popular guy of the day mm-hmm. who fucked up so massively that people were going to talk about it for, like, a week or two, right? I remember when the villain of the day on the internet was some ignorant dude who was some kind of neo-Nazi and he named all of his kids after Nazis. Like, he had some daughter named Herman Goring or some shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was back when we were still naive. Like, there was a time when we were naive. We thought that the Nazis were done. We thought that we were in a time of equality where women had equal rights and we could do whatever we wanted and this and that. We had all kinds of really crazy ideas about being post misogyny and post-racism and post-sexism and all this other shit and at the time i said that's not true people were very comfortable this is not true but nowadays it's like nazis are still here yeah they're still here they're fucking everywhere like 15 percent of people are nazis Well, I think it's also sort of like the Stanford prison experiment in that I don't think that everybody has a capacity for evil, but I think enough people have a capacity for complicity that they will just do anything if daddy tells them to. I think that there's also a little element of that like dumbass masculine culture where certain subsets of people for whatever reason like they don't have power or they feel disenfranchised or like they feel unappreciated by the opposite sex whatever albatross they are carrying around causes them to fixate on these cultural characters that are the bad guys and so they're like I love the Joker I love the American psycho guy I'm like very like misunderstood macho guy and I think I feel like those guys will see not Nazis and they're like, ooh, he is a very super villainous guy. He is very bad. And when people see him, their knees start shaking and they start quivering in their boots. I want to be that kind of guy. And those oh, guys yeah. will start doing like the ironic Nazi shit. Just a very subtle Nazism that people love to do on the internet. Just a little incel type behavior. Right, yeah. right. But it's just like the same thing. It's just like they perceive male power to be a certain thing that is yucky. Their idea of what it means to be a man is to have the rights to be a nasty and hateful person. Right. It's just, you know, it's like toxic masculinity and overdrive. Right, exactly. People will tell each other, well, you know it's illegal to be a Nazi in Germany. Well, yeah, it is, but they also keep arresting people for it. Right, right. People think that at the end of the war, everyone was like, oh, I'm sorry. It was really bad when we did that. We're going to just turn things right around. There were so many Nazis that were like reabsorbed into society with like no problems. Yeah. The majority of the people in the country just had to go Hitler mode. Right. Because, I mean, you had to join up. I mean, I'm not a World War II aficionado, but it's just like the classic Hitler ballot was like, are you going to vote in for Adolf Hitler? And there's a huge box in the middle and below it, it says, yeah. (laughs) And then off to the side, there's a little tiny box and it says nine. Like, it was a very coercive situation. And so, just like I said, you know, 95% of people are just going to go along with whatever the zeitgeist is. Right. And, you know, it is a gray area. There's people who are like, I don't want to fight. So they were complicit just because they didn't know what else to do. But at the end of the day, like, in 1950, they were, like, still kind of complicit. Yeah, and they just went back to their home in East or West Germany and went back to their lives. And they probably... Nice seeing you again, Adolf. (laughs) 
And you know, there's a name you don't see much anymore. That was the main fallout right. of World War II. Right. You don't see that? Oh my God. Now this is fucked. I've been seeing this lately and I don't know if it's a style. I don't know if people just don't know anything about history at this point. But in the past year, I have seen, now I think it's either three or four people with toothbrush mustaches. Mm -hmm. Little shaved side like Ron Sparks mustache. Right, right. Like the true total Charlie Chaplin mustache. I really hope that that doesn't come back because I don't like seeing that. It's just like you said, when I see somebody with something where it looks like they're trying to look like Hitler, I go Captain America. Right, right. <laughs> Well, when I think about all the Nazis escaping, right, the first one I always think about is Joseph Mengele, who is like that doctor at the concentration camp who did all the horrible shit to people. He did all the experiments to people. Mm -hmm. And he would like sew people together and make Siamese twins, like fucking ridiculous shit. That, how, how is that medicine? How it's is it like medicine? American Horror Story right, stuff. Right, exactly. American Horror Story. So... At the end of the war, he just disappeared into South America. And you might think, oh, he went to South America. He changed his name to Ron Hot Dog. And <laughs> he went underground and he had people supporting him. Like there was like a shadowy group of Germans in Argentina who were bringing him loaves of bread and stuff. That's not what happened. No. He went to South America. He got a job as a carpenter until he got on his feet. And then he was a salesman for his family's farm equipment company. It was like Mengele Farm Equipment. He like yep. on his business card. Yup. Worked for them for a while, then got promoted to be a traveling salesman. Traveled to Paraguay, all kinds of places. Right? Rented a house. He started practicing medicine without a license. No problem. No problems at all for this guy. There was a big scandal where he performed an abortion on a teenager who died without a license. He's still living in South America just fine. He's still chilling in Buenos Aires, right? He traveled back to Germany using his name. Yeah. My name is Joseph Mengele. I'm going back to Germany, please. They let him in. He went and visited his family in Germany. This is in the 50s. Yeah. Then flew back to South America, right? Went on to own a pharmaceutical company in South America. So he was like a mover and a shaker until he finally died drowning. He died of drowning when he went to the beach one day. He died on the beach. So he just... <laughs> committed probably the most atrocities known to have happened by a single person. Right. I mean, arguable. I'm not going to keep score. atrocity. But one of the universe's worst people. Ever, yes. And no consequences. And this is something that you don't tell children this. We don't get told this. And so we grow up as adults thinking that there are consequences. There are not consequences if you have just a little bit of money and a little bit of pull. Here's the thing. With everybody in the world being GPS trackable and connected to electronic banking, we can find people a little easier, okay? But there are no real consequences. People used to walk away with zero consequences. Now they walk away like Elizabeth Holmes, 11 years in prison. She's going to be out in 18 months. Right. She's going to go in. She's going to have good behavior. They're going to say, well, there's too many people here. We're not going to let a murderer out. This lady just was just doing financial. And, you know, she learned her lesson. Right. She seems very contrite. <laughs> and there's no real consequences. There's no consequences. But the idea that we are the ones to meet out consequence to people is also, I think, faulty. Yeah. Being the world's policeman kind of comes with a tacit recognition of the fact that cops are pieces of shit. Right. 
Right. So if we are the world's policemen, we're also the world's <laughs> piece of shit. Right. I mean, I could have told you that too. But back to Argentina. <laughs> right? So people suspected that Hitler and other Nazi officials hid in Argentina. I just told you about Mengele. There was no question of it. And yeah. He was a big one. He was in the fucking magazines and papers. And he was weird looking. He was like one of the top five. He was one of the top guys and he was weird looking as fuck and they didn't get him. Right? And he was in Argentina. There was Operation Paperclip, which was a secret U.S. intelligence program where there were over 1,600 Germans with scientific and technological knowledge who were brought into America after World War II. These are the ones that are Americans. They got turned into Americans, yeah. And they were put to work in classified weapons and defense programs. And so those guys brought in Mengele's paperwork, I'm sure, how to properly torture people and build Siamese twins more effectively. I'm sure they were using his paperwork too. All of the Nazi science, they brought it with them. Here's the thing, is when you actually conquer a country and take over the country, you have spoils of war. And even by the time World War II came along, we're not talking about chests of gold and goblets and gems. Although, there were some of those. Right. But we're talking about technology and science and brain power and, you know, trained scientists and technologists who can come. And now, now that we're in the Cold War, right? they can come and help us work the Cold War. Right. They can just hop from war to war, just doing evil things for different people. <laughs> now, they're not... Consulting. <laughs> Now, again, it is worth noting, not literally everybody in Germany during World War II was evil, okay? The people who were doing all the rocketry and this kind of shit, you know, you can dig forever because the Nazis in World War II is basically the world's biggest story of the past hundred years. But even the guys who were working on the V2 program, the V1 and V2, the guys in there who were like not on board with all the Nazi shit would always make fun of the hardcore Nazis doing the rocket shit. And they were always like they had a low key club where they would talk about this shit because if the hardcore Nazis found out that they weren't sucking Hitler's balls, they'd rat them out, turn them in and get them executed or whatever. Right. right? But there were also scientists who fled and did not work for the Nazis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, it would have been possible to leave. Right, right. Especially if you're not Jewish. If you were a non-Jewish German and you just wanted to go somewhere else in, like, 1939, they'd be like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure thing. (laughs) Okay, well, bring us back something from Spain. (laughs) But, like, these Nazis... That came over from Germany. And yeah, it's arguable that, you know, if you didn't leave, yeah, then you had to be a Nazi. Mm-hmm. But like Werner von Braun, he came over and he was working on the V2, which was like Germany's new experimental, like terrifying rocket, right? He came over and helped NASA start the Apollo program. So when Neil Armstrong went to the moon, he was riding on a Nazi rocket. Right, right. Exactly. One reason that it's suspected that all of these scientists went into the United States was a result of their work on a secret piece of Nazi technology called the Glocka. And this was a bell-shaped anti-gravity device that operated with two concentric rotating sections. And according to the story, the Glocka was thought to have one of two possible purposes. The first one was time travel. Mm-hmm. 
And the second one is anti-gravity. Also possible that it was used for zero-point energy generation. I don't think that's possible because then they would have used it by now. (laughs) So this is always a point of contention, which is people who are trying to debunk one thing or the other, people who were just trying to stamp out, you know, the world of possibilities by saying, well, I don't think it's true, right? Just because something is never used and just because you don't personally see it doesn't mean that it was not the basis for something. It doesn't mean that it didn't exist. And it doesn't mean that we didn't have it and maybe it fucking broke. Here's Diglaka, which there are stories of people who left Germany after the war who were talking about seeing this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's this bell-shaped hovering object. Okay, it's fairly large. Right. And it's like made of metal and it's got this interior rotating section and the outside rotates in the opposite direction. Right. And at the time this is happening, you've got some sort of light radiating out. All of this rotating is happening with basically zero friction because the whole time the motherfucker is floating. Mm -hmm. They found anybody that got close to it would be killed or like thrown away from the energy that was coming off of it. Right. When I've read about it, it seemed like an equivalent of the thing that Bob Lazar described seeing when he was at S4 where it was some kind of dome or something and when they had it turned on you could not get your hands it was like a force keeping your hands from touching it right but the Glocka to me seems like a very primitive version of that like before it is refined and before it is turned into something that isn't going to kill you if you get too close to it right it seems like the dirtiest like infancy of something like the thing that Bob Lazar described in Bob Lazar of course we've covered him uh multiple times but a lot of the things that Bob Lazar described then have gone on 20 30 years later to be scientifically accurate. He's described buildings and he described places that he went. He described methods of finding craft that matched up with archeological records. Mm -hmm. The guy's life was completely ruined by the government and they tied him up in all this shit and they made it so he couldn't make money, all this, in order to discredit him. Right. And Diglaka seems to be capturing the same kind of energy. And I don't know if it's gravitational waves or what, but certainly if they had this thing and it's gigantic and it's rotating at high speed and it's emanating this light, it's possible that the US would have tried to get their hands on it after the war. And I think it's also possible that they could have something like that and not understand you. You have to realize that at the time, if they were working on this in 1945, the U.S. had just barely completed the Manhattan Project. Right. And so we were getting ready to drop the first fucking real nuclear bomb, right? And so we don't know anything about unified theory. We don't know anything about gravitational waves or gravitational interaction. All we've got is we know what Newton said about <laughs> gravity. Oh, good old Newton. <laughs> Old Mr. Up to Date. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so I think the old chestnut, well, if this exists, then why don't we have it today? Well, it fucking probably broke. And here's another thing. Both sides in World War II, at least in the European theater, described seeing unidentified flying objects all the fucking time. The U.S. soldiers called them Foo Fighters, Mm -hmm. and they were seen very frequently. And they were especially seen by people who were flying airplanes. At this time, they had already gotten 
fighter planes together. You know, they didn't look like the F-35s or F-14s or whatever we have now, but they had fighter planes and these things were maneuverable. Mm -hmm. They would go and try to shoot at these fucking UFOs and nothing would happen. They report seeing cigar-shaped flying objects, which sounds like a tic-tac to me. Right. Sounds like the tic-tac you hear about every few months on the Today Show. They haul a new guy out from the Navy, and he's like, yeah, I saw a tic-tac. And then they're like, let's ask David Fravor. <laughs> His code name in the Navy was sex. <laughs> And so this shit was happening. And you know when the battle over L.A. happened? That was 1946. Right. What happened in 1947? The Roswell crash. So this is like a flap of extraterrestrial or extra-dimensional contact. We're seeing vehicles. We're seeing shit flying around entities. I think it's totally possible that the fucking Nazis found some shit out of a crashed airship and dragged it back and were messing with it and made like a weird gravitational bell that killed Hans. Right, right. I mean, the idea of UFOs in World War II is so completely believable to me because the MO is exactly the same as the MO is with UFOs now. They are always seen by military pilots. They are always hanging out around battlefields and nuclear silos, places where we keep our tools of war, right? Or where we are deploying them. They're always around naval air bases, aircraft carriers, all that kind of shit. So here's my question. And this is something that maybe this is just too woo-woo. This is maybe my interpretation of it is, is maybe a little bit different. But what if the reason that we see these guys around places where battles are happening, right? What if it is not them being curious? What if it is not anything other than when we create such great destruction and loss of life in one area, we cause the veil to get thin and we see what's happening on the other side just because we're fucking it up so bad here? I think that's as possible as anything else. We know that we're not sure what is actually happening in the world, okay? Everybody likes to march around thinking that they know what is happening. And you say, what's light? And somebody says, well, a light is a photon. And then you're like, light's a photon? They're like, well, it's a photon and it's a wave, which is like a radio wave. <laughs> right, right. Well, so no, you don't Those know what- different things. You don't know- <laughs> Right, so you don't know what light is, okay? What about quantum entanglement? Well, these are two particles that are hooked together, and when you flip one, the other changes instantaneously. Oh, so they have to be next to each other? No, they can be any distance away. Okay, so you don't know what things are. Right. So if we don't know what light is, and we don't know what things are... I think it's incredibly possible to imagine that consciousness and emotion are far more fundamental then people assume. We have a materialist viewpoint that's drilled into us because our society is based on capital, which is literally the accumulation of purchasing power. Right. Okay? The only fucking thing we do in this country, the only thing you're allowed to do, the only actual choice you're allowed to make is to consume. I feel like Jello Biafra saying that, but it's, <laughs> it's fucking true. And so this is what drives... The materialist viewpoint is that you are what you can buy. And that's a Dead Kennedys album title. I know. Right. But listen, (laughs) I truly think it's possible that consciousness and emotion are primary in that you can have something like Loosh, 
where you have negative emotions, you are cultivating negative emotions, and something somewhere is taking it and using it. By the same token, you could see that collecting positive emotions, engendering positive emotions and positive feelings in others, being mindful, encouraging other people to be mindful. Expressing gratitude for things that you have in your life and trying to be positive in the way you perceive the world. Intentionally being happy and spreading happiness. I think that all of these things are powerful. I don't know that we're going to figure this out in the next 100 years. It may be if something happened and we can't buy shit all the time, then maybe some people will look inward. I don't know. Right. Well, you know what is the most interesting to me is that when you begin a process of looking inward and examining yourself and examining the way you interact with the world and investigating like behaviors that you have and trying to get to the root of why you do those things and trying to like make yourself a better person from within instead of trying to buy the most perfect combination of stuff that will finally solve all your problems. You will find when you start focusing on that stuff more, non-material concepts and non-material ways of thinking about things, you find that so much of what is upsetting about the world starts to not bother you anymore. And you don't want stuff as much. You want stuff less and less and less and less. Well, if you focusing on these emotions and you focusing on your own consciousness and working out what is primary to you and what is important changes your material existence, then doesn't that point to the idea that maybe that does mean more than people think? Right. It's not just, you know, somebody writes on the bathroom mirror, you look beautiful. It's not just an Instagram person wearing $300 leggings doing yoga on a cliff and telling you that you're beautiful. Right, right. It's actually looking inward in working on yourself and being mindful. And this is something you have to figure out yourself. Nobody can tell you how to do this. You have to do this. But I do think, Natalie, that having a collection of negative and destructive emotions and processes and acts in a place like a war zone or a naval base could definitely attract whatever it is that's coming from wherever else. Is it in another dimension? Maybe. Are they maybe coming here and showing up to war because we're just laying out the snacks? Right, right. Possibly, who knows, right? They could be zooming around, sucking up all the louche. Right. So in 1965, there was a UFO incident in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania that was considered by some to be caused by the Glocka. Really? Right. The officials initially said that it was a meteor, and there was a NASA statement in 2005 claiming that it was a Soviet satellite. But what happened was that a bunch of debris came from outer space and landed in Kecksburg. But NASA insisted that the evidence and the results of the findings when they, when they made the statement had been lost in 1987. So all the information about it disappeared. So this crash happened in 1965. Right. So this was 20 years after we took all the Nazis to America. Mm -hmm. All the Nazi scientists, pardon me, uh, to America and made them work on technology. Did they bring Deglaca with them? Nobody knows, but people who were on site claimed to have seen like a metal type object that's bell-shaped tearing through the fucking sky in a fireball and landing scorched in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. I like the idea that 
the Glocka caused this UFO crash in Pennsylvania. And then after that, the people in Kecksburg called up NASA and got the Nazis on the horn. <laughs> and you're like, hey, Fuhrer. <laughs> we got a UFO going on earlier and they were like nothing to see here and they hung up <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like about the Kecksburg story that's what I like to care about <laughs> So I've honestly, I've always been suspicious of NASA, okay? I've never liked NASA. And this is always a point of contention because I know very many people who like NASA. I know tons of people who love it. Love it. And it's totally, you can like it if you want. If it makes you feel good, then fantastic. If you feel like that is what is pushing humanity forward, then enjoy it. In, enjoy the feeling because that is more important than whatever the fuck NASA is doing, okay? Sending four people to float in space the 90th time is not super important to me. But the fact is that up until like last year, NASA refused to talk about UFOs and said UFOs aren't real motherfuckers on like Discovery we're looking out the window and seeing silver fucking objects. Right, right. People were seeing this shit fly around that and they're like, what is it? And they're like, it's like a phantasmal cube inside of a sphere. And then ground control's like, ignore it. <laughs> you know, I'm not like anti-NASA, but I feel like a lot of human progress is gauged on things that happen with a teeny tiny handful of people. Mm -hmm. Sending 10 people into outer space, to me is not as much of an advancement of society than if we were able to, like, provide a basic standard of living for everybody and have a society where everybody is free to express themselves and have, like, a happy and healthy life and not have to worry about, like, injustice, right? <laughs> I feel yeah. like if we could yeah. make it, that would be so much of a greater advancement to human society than sending a couple math teachers up to a rock in outer space. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And there's never anything to see up there. Right. Anytime anyone's like, oh, we got these guys stuck on a satellite. Like, yeah, but you know what? They're still like homeless four-year-olds. <laughs> I still don't have a right over my own body in Ohio. <laughs> Maybe it's time to start bringing the advancements home. Right, right. How about I get a little advancement? Hey, if you guys brought all the Nazis here, why can't I get an abortion? I thought that was their thing. Right, right. Apparently, I had to go to South America. <laughs> so what evidence do we have that this was true? Obviously, after World War II, there were as many as 9,000 Nazis who escaped Europe. That's a lot. 9,000 Nazis that just went free. No, it's not like Pokemon because they did not catch them all. Right. They went to Argentina, Brazil, Chile. Thousands of war criminals just on the street having a time that can't be beaten. And those are the three main countries in South America. Yeah. It's like, well, 
You know, the war criminals were accepted in some countries in North America, such as Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Right. In Europe, they had something called rat lines, which were like secret chains where people who were war criminals could like pass through and make it to ports in Spain and Italy to get smuggled out. Get out, baby. So it was an established setup. Right. They had established ways where if you wanted to leave, you just go somewhere and they ship you out. Right, right. In late 1946 and early 1947, the U.S. Navy carried out a plan called Operation High Jump. Now, originally, the U.S. claimed that Operation High Jump was just to establish a base in Antarctica called Little America. (laughs) But most of the objectives were classified and a large number of troops sailed to New Swabia and they are assumed to have attacked the German base there and they failed in their objectives due to the Germans defending their station right uh-huh. and so they all left before the operation was scheduled to end okay so it looks like we got our asses handed to us by the Germans in Antarctica and now just rewinding a bit they're thought to have come there on the U-boats the same shit that was trucking people down to Argentina and Chile and Brazil. They're thinking that they went all the way down to Antarctica and dropped them off and came back, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And I think that's completely plausible because just like you said, the war ended Mm -hmm. in uh, when? May 1945. And these ships showed up in August. They're like, hi, (laughs) where were you? Oh, Germany. No, nothing to worry about here. Just doing my thing. Are you guys got ice on your U-boats? No, it's cold in Germany. Don't right. worry about it. One thing that is keeps on popping up in my head, thinking about Nazis in Antarctica. If the Nazis escaped to Antarctica, are those guys going to be considered a breakaway civilization, or are they still operating as German citizens? I think it depends on who is supporting them. Okay, so let's assume that there is a Nazi base, a Nazi colony actively in Antarctica. If they're being supplied by the Argentinians, then they are part of Argentina. Mm -hmm. You know, their legal status is probably in limbo because they're not being recognized and they're not supposed to be there. Unless Argentina is just like, oh, yeah, those are our Nazis. (laughs) Right, right. Which, I mean, they did. (laughs) Right, they're fine with the ones that were working at the bank. Thinking about this stuff also, you know, if you know history and you know how things go, it makes it less amazing and shocking and, like, noteworthy when stuff continues to happen the same as it always has. Yeah. People really think that justice is a thing that exists. But if you know anything about history, it's very rare when justice is meted out to the people who deserve it. You have to, like, free yourself of the notion of justice. Sometimes the bad guys get away, and you just gotta, like, deal with it. And I think looking to authority to protect you... Right. The authority protects its interests. The authority protects its capital. The authority protects its territory. If you happen to live on the territory and they protect the territory, it would be easy to think they're protecting you. Right, right. They're not. No one's going to take care of us. If you are average folk, 
I'm sure that we don't have any, like, one percenter Elon Musk types listening to our podcast right now. If you're, like, a regular person, no one gives a shit about you. All you can do is take care of the people you know and the people who are around you and people in your community, people you see every day. Those are your people. You have to treat those people with love. It does not matter who they are what their political beliefs are. You cannot force people to be enlightened. You cannot change their minds about stuff. It is their job to work through that stuff themselves. If they're a shitty person, then they are working through something that has nothing to do with you. you. They need to be shitty and come out the other end and learn something from it. But all you have to do is take care of other people and love other people. And the powers in this country and the powers all over this world are not in our service. They are not here for us. No, and when you say what you have to do is take care of people and love other people, that's what you do for yourself. That does not mean that if you are a good enough person that nothing bad will ever happen. It'll still happen. Right. <laughs> you Here. just have to do that to be a, a person who is at home in their own body and their own mind during a time like this. Right. People languish under the idea that the ideal state is for them to live in a world that makes them happy. And that their opinion of the things that happen in the world is of utmost importance. No one cares about anybody's opinions about what happens. No one cares at all. And you have to create something that you want to exist in this world and if you want to live in a society where people are loving and care for each other then you have to love people and care for each other yeah absolutely if, if you spread love all day long and you always are helping people and when you see people in need you help them then it increases the chances that when you inevitably need help someone will help you well and it also makes the world a lot nicer because you are constantly in a situation where nice shit is happening. Right, right. You put yourself at the center of it by making it happen and being kind to people. There is a limited number of problems that you could be a solution to, but if you can be a solution to it, then you should. That's just the end of it. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I, you know I agree. But you what I'm saying is, don't be surprised when the Nazis get away. Don't be surprised when the bad guys win. They're starved for power, and we are not. Bad guys are always going to win because they are the only ones psycho enough to be so starved for power that they will do anything. Anybody who has a heart, anyone who has a conscience, would never let themselves get to that point. Yeah, yeah. But you should just shame them by loving everything else. <laughs> you just get so great at loving everything that you put them to shame. And it makes them feel bad about themselves if they ever think about it. <laughs> <laughs> would, would that one day they ever did, boy. Right, right. I mean, maybe it's one day when people never say people's names and they never give anyone any attention. So, <laughs> so yeah, the bad guys do always get away. So the Nazis got away. They had a base in Antarctica mm -hmm. and the U.S. troops and I think the British troops went in, tried to beat them up, and they got their asses handed to them. Well, the, the U.S. went down there and tried to whoop ass, and they got their asses handed to them. And then the British Army attacked the base around Christmas of 1945. Oh, so before the U.S. even went in. Mm -hmm. and okay. It didn't, go, it didn't go very well when they did either. So then in 1958, there was a mission called Operation Argus. And it was a series of nuclear weapon tests supposedly conducted in South 
Atlantic Ocean. Okay. The official story is that these tests were set up to create an EMP effect to block Soviet missile electronics in the event of intercontinental nuclear war. But the tests reportedly took place close to the South Georgia Islands, but the flight paths of the planes went way down near New Swabia. (laughs) So this possibly was the end of the German base. And I find this story compelling because we all know what happened in Japan at the end of World War II, right? Dropped the two nuclear bombs on Japan, and then they're like, okay, that's it. They surrendered and everything, Mm -hmm. right? The idea that the Germans were finally nuked. (laughs) Right is a a bizarre conclusion. Also, the fact that possibly the conclusion to World War II happened in 1958. Right. I would believe it, though, because World War II really dragged. It was over in 1945, but it was not nice for a while after that. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of people in our generation had relatives who were involved either in World War II or in the cleanup of World War II, which lasted a very long time, or got involved in the Korean War, which basically happened as soon as they were done cleaning up World War II. Right. We had the Korean War started in what, 50, something like that? My uncle was a military policeman in Japan after World War II. Not a great guy actually bragged about committing atrocities. Right, right. So he was there two years after the war ended. And so this shit was still going on. I mean, they were still hurting people around. And you know that when a country wins a war and they subjugate another people, you know that they don't come in with roses and everybody does a little fucking dance. Right, right. It's not cool beans. And since the people who win the war write the story, that part never gets told. If the Germans had won the war, not to get to speculative fiction, (laughs) but if the Germans had won the war, I feel like a lot of that story wouldn't have gotten told either. Right. A lot of their atrocities would never have come to light. So the idea is that these planes went in and they were supposedly doing nuclear testing, but they just happened to go over the German base in Antarctica and they fucking dropped not one, but multiple nuclear bombs on it. Right, right. And so, I mean, take from that what you will. Maybe it was a UFO down there also. I'm sure there were UFOs down there. I'm sure anytime they set off a nuclear bomb or a nuclear test blast, there were UFOs fucking everywhere. Right, right. There was definitely some shit going on with the Nazis. We're not even getting into the Nazis and the Nazis' ties to, like, a particular weird flavor of occultism that was out, like, in the late 1800s and early 1900s. They were, like, seriously into this, like, Norse occultism. Yeah, and actually this ties into why the neo-Nazi movements here in America and in other parts of the West use so much occult in Norse symbology. Right, right. But anyway, Natalie, I want you to tell me, apart from the obvious, which is that, you know, at least according to American mythology, this is very far-fetched because uh, according to the history books, when we defeated the Nazis, they rolled over and showed us their bellies. Right, right. What is the evidence that there was not a German base in Antarctica? Okay, so there was satellite imagery released to the public that does not show any identifiable features of a military base in New Swabia. But you know what is the easiest shit in the world to Photoshop? is a bunch of fucking snow. Now... (laughs) (laughs) How long would it take you to fucking Photoshop a doorway out of some snow? (laughs) So, first of all, if you go to Google Earth 
where you go to any satellite imagery and you look at Antarctica, it's basically all missing. It's there, it's white, but if you go and you look around, it's incredibly low detail. There's not a lot to be seen. I don't know if it's weather conditions or just the fact that we know that there's nothing there. And when I say we know that there's nothing there, I mean it's commonly accepted that there's nothing there so they can get away with not imaging it. Right. There may be a ton of shit going on there and they are omitting the details because when Google brought the shit to the government and they're like, hey, we flew our satellites over and there's tons of shit in Antarctica. And the government's like, no, there's not. <laughs> so that's a possibility. The other thing that's a possibility is maybe the reason why you can't see the Nazi base in Antarctica is because it got nuked. Right, right. There is documentation of resettlement of Nazi war criminals in South America, but there has been no official documentation showing that any of them went to Antarctica. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if they were hiding them there, yeah, they wouldn't have handed those papers over to the guys in Buenos Aires. Oh, yeah, Yosef couldn't come. He had to stop in Antarctica. Right, right. There also were U.S. claims that its South Atlantic nuclear tests took place near South Georgia, not in Antarctica. But again, I'm skeptical. What about the airplanes going over Antarctica? I mean, if yeah, if you check out the flight plans, they actually went really close to Antarctica on paper. Right. And of course, they could have been like, all right, boys, here it is. <laughs> Go south. Right. <laughs> I just don't trust the government at all. What? None of them. None of them. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats or Independents or Whigs. I don't give a shit. I don't trust any of them. <laughs> Now, Grandpa Joe said if we all voted that he would think about giving us our abortions back. Mm. He said he would give us $50,000 in student loans and he's going to try really hard to give us those $10,000 he promised us. I can't wait to get my $5,000. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Gosh darn, a flippin' judge blocked it. Now, anyway. Ah, that darn old shucks. judge backed business. <laughs> Gosh, that stinks. Right. <laughs> so what are your feelings on the Nazis in Antarctica? Well, before I give my score, one to 10, one, not at all possible, 10, absolutely for sure, Nazi base in Antarctica, pop on into Discord. If you're not a member of Discord, patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity, that's how you get in. Leave your score based on the evidence you've heard. One, absolutely no, never happened, 10, absolutely the Nazis are still in Antarctica, let us know what you think. I'm gonna give this one a five. And the only reason why it's not higher is because I don't think there's a Nazi base there now. Right. Because in 2022, there would be evidence of supply lines coming from Argentina, supply lines coming from Chile, even if it's, you know, coming right out of Tierra del Fuego or whatever. That would show up. Okay, maritime traffic is tracked and accounted for. Sure. Right? There's piracy, there's unregistered vehicles, but not for 60 years. Right. Right? There are, if you go and look at the satellite maps, there is a huge area that was this new Swabia, this area. And I think there's basically limitless potential for something to be hidden in there. We know that the U-boats that left out of these rat lines took two or three months to get to Argentina. I know they're slow, but that's a bit super slow. That gave them plenty of time to take shit down to Antarctica and set a bunch of stuff up and then go right up to Argentina, right? Right, right. And 
we have copious evidence of all of the Nazis, especially the leaders, making it out of Germany intact and just setting up south of the equator. Right. And so I think all of that, plus the evidence we have of the military very suspiciously constantly going down to Antarctica to fight something until they nuked it. Right, right. I mean, if that doesn't sound like World War II to you... <laughs> I don't know what does. Again, I don't think there is an active Nazi base in Antarctica now. There's some shaky, if you go and try to look it up, there's some shaky evidence of blurry pictures that maybe suggest a swastika that you can see from satellites. But I think it's like seeing a face in the front of a car. You can see a swastika anywhere if you look right. hard enough. Right. You absolutely can. I would probably give it. I'd probably give it a six because we, they were definitely hiding Nazis everywhere else. Are they too good to go to Antarctica? <laughs> I mean, of course they went to Antarctica. I mean, like I said, if you expect the worst from people, you'll never be disappointed. And the worst they could have done would have been to take all the Nazis and just sprinkle them all over the world and let them be free. Now, we know for a fact that they were in South America and they were fucking everywhere else. And sure, they were in Antarctica. Sure. I believe it. I believe it fully. So we'd like to hear what you think. One to ten. Let us know in Discord. You know where I would go if I were going to go somewhere cold and hide and I wanted to be protected? Harlem Township or Alaska. <laughs> they both fit the bill. And if I were in Alaska and I was looking for protection, I wouldn't call. The Nazis? <laughs> no, I'd call Corey Grella. Right. She's the opposite of a Nazi. She is the number one insurance agent in Alaska, the largest state. Right. Okay. And if you want to get away from it all and you want it to be cold most of the time instead of just four of the time, <laughs> you're going to want to hit Alaska and you're going to want to hit up Corey Grell to make sure you and your family are protected in right. case somebody finds you, I guess. Right. <laughs> but if they find you, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Statistically, you'll be fine. <laughs> or you can go to Harlem Township. Yeah, east of picturesque Westerville, Ohio. <laughs> Harlem Township will show you everything of the best that Delaware County, Ohio has to offer you. Like green grass and wet days. Horses, a big reservoir, and a pastoral sense of calm and belonging. You won't find it anywhere else, thanks to Harlem Township and Corey Grella for sponsoring Garbage Brain. If you want to sponsor Garbage Brain University and specifically Everything is Real, hit up patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. That'll let you know how to get in and be a sponsor. That is also how you can join us and get twice the episodes. That's right, half of our episodes are for patrons only, so that's the only way you're going to hear them. Thanks again for listening. And remember, everything is real. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>